at 1.45 a.m. Wednesday morning, November the 9th, and the, something shifted in the spiritual world. Something moved in the spiritual realm. God had heard the cry of his people. And against all odds, that which people said was humanly impossible, and it was, God Almighty did. Who would have ever dreamed that God would move? We prayed, we cried. Christians all over America prayed and cried. And God in his awesome power placed in office at 1.45 a.m. when Pennsylvania went into the electoral college. Uh, God placed in office a president-elect who is pro-life, pro-marriage, pro-America, pro-family, pro-religious liberty. And he did that against one of the greatest political machines that had ever been established. You know, um, <laughs> people realized that we needed government for the people and by the people. He proved this person is absolutely committed to religious freedom. And so I want you to know that if we live long enough, we will see the magnitude of what God has done. And let's never forget that we humbled ourselves. I'm talking about millions and millions of God's people. We humbled ourselves and prayed, sought his face, turned from our wicked ways. He heard from heaven and is in the process of healing our land. And that's not just the political realm. It's talking about the hearts of people. I want you to look at seven, listen to seven, Psalm 75, verse 6 and 7. And it tells you that God did it. It says here, for, exa for exaltation comes neither from the east nor from the west or from the south. But God is the judge. He puts down one and he exalts another. Could it be any clearer than, than that? Well, why don't we give God a hand? <laughs> for God is the judge. God is the judge. He puts down one and exalts another. You know, I know something shifted in the heavens because it shifted in my heart. But on Wednesday, everybody that I talked to, everybody that I looked in their face, everyone that I was around ha had a smile on their face. They had a, a kind of a lighter step in their walk. It seems like a cloud had been lifted off of them. And that for the first time in a while, they really had hope. They really had hope. Something that had been missing because there was such a cloud over our land. You know, 
over 60 million people voted for the president-elect. Many of them had never voted before. But also, over 60 million people voted for the person who lost and her party. So we are a divided country. There's no question about it. What, while us today, I would say 99% of us, I don't know your heart, uh, really have hope again, uh, have a vision again of some things happening that would not have happened. 60 million others are disillusioned, confused. They don't understand what happened. They really don't. How can you beat ABC, NBC, CBS, a political machine that hunt, had hundreds of millions of dollars? And, a, and how, how could you do that when your own party was divided? <laughs> I'm going to tell you how you do that. God did it. That's right. If you don't believe that, I'm telling you, I need to pray for you. It was an absolute act of God. Did we deserve it? No. It is because America is a righteous and godly nation like God wants it to be. No. But God heard our cry and gave us favor. He gave us favor. As I will mention later on the message, God gave us an open door. But I really didn't understand what happened in the spiritual world till Thursday night. For the last eight or nine years, I have a Bible study the second Tuesday of every month uh, at a friend's over in uh, across the bay. We just started before Luke 4.18 started. And we changed it to Thursday because we didn't want to meet on the election night. And it's just a close-knit group of about 20, 25 people. And we, we were just uh, reflecting and worshiping and praising God, and all of a sudden, the Spirit of God just rose up in me and said, let me tell you what happened. And he brought to me Proverbs 29, 2. And I want you to look at it. This is going to help you to understand where we are. When the righteous are in authority, the people rejoice. Amen? But when the wicked rule, the people mourn. The word there is mourn. When the righteous rule, the people rejoice. When the wicked rule, the people mourn. And the Holy Spirit, just as clear as he's ever spoken to me, we have been a nation in mourning. We've been in mourning. We have. We've been in mourning over all the events that have happened in the last 25 years that eroded some of the most things that were most important to us as Christians and believers. And I didn't really, but we really had. We've been in mourning. And you know what it intensified? When the president who is, will be out of office in January, when he was elected the first time, it caught us by surprise. We realized that he was the champion of the left, a socialist, he made clear his agenda to change America and to change his direction. And we knew that it was in the wrong way. But we said he's only in for four years. So we can, we can survive four years. Well, 
when he got reelected, I mean, that cloud of mourning got much, much heavier because we knew what his plan was. We knew what his agenda was, basically to make work America like a third world nation. And, uh, and so, man, we, we just absolutely said four more years. Can we survive it? And, of course, you realize that during this time, uh, same-sex marriage became legal in every state in these last four years. You realize that during these last four years, we've uh, now to try, tried to tell people which bathroom they could use. You know, it's called the transgender bathroom. You know, you say, Brother Fred, that's crazy, isn't it? No, it's worse than that. It's insane. You mean to tell me the world's going to hell and we're debating over who's going to use the bathroom? You think about it, how Ricky Dickens is. Just think about that. And so, um, and we, we, we just knew that uh, all the executive orders that have been made. And so I'll be honest with you, we were mourning. But then 18 months ago, the election started, and it was basically a three-ring circus. Seventeen Republicans trying to get to be president-elect, and that wasn't good. It was, it was divisive. It, wasn't, it, it just wasn't good. And then here was the Democratic machine with millions of dollars, and it wasn't no way she was going to lose, even if they had to mess up Bernie Sanders, and I'm glad he didn't get it. He's a socialist. But, but you know what happened in these last 18 months? The cloud got heavier, and people began to mourn more. They said, well, now, according to everything I read and everything I hear, it looks like that uh, the, president, uh, the, the, the candidate from the Republican Party, and I don't believe in parties. Uh, let's destroy both of them and start over, okay? I don't believe in that. But it looked like that the individual who had been in politics for 30 years, who had made hundreds of millions of dollars, who had the allegiance of all three major networks, ABC, NBC, and CBS, and I don't ever intend to watch them again unless there's a sporting event I want to watch. <laughs> I wouldn't watch the news if they paid me $500. If you'll watch us, I'll give you $500. You just lost five. I don't want your money. But there's no way, see, I'm telling you, the closer we got to the election, they said, it's no way, it's no way. A man who's never held political office, he never has even been a city councilman. Did you know that? Never has, he don't know what a political office is. We were told there's no way, no way, no way, no way, no way. They had planned to shoot fireworks over the Hudson River at 9 o'clock on Tuesday night, and Hillary Clinton, I didn't mean to use her name, and the lady who was defeated, <laughs> no, no, stay with me, said, no, it's a little early to shoot the fireworks. It really was because the fireworks were fixing to happen. <laughs> and then, as the evening went on, I'm telling you, they got into the panic mode, and it was unbelievable what God did. You know, there is no explanation but the hand of God. 
And if you don't believe that, you will eventually. Because I believe God's fixing to do some things. I really believe that. And it has nothing to do with the man. It happens to do with the prayers of God's people. And the hope that we now have. And we're no longer in mourning. It has been lifted. And if we had seen four more years of what the, the president who's going out had done, if we saw that in her horizon, man, we wouldn't be, today we would be sitting here in a dark cloud of pessimism and saying, well, it's over. But that's, that's changed. And so what happened is this. God lifted the cloud of mourning off of this nation. And I want to tell you something. I'm happier than I've been in a long time. I got more joy than I've had in a long time. I have more hope than I've had in a long time. I'm looking forward to getting up. And I'm looking forward to see what God's going to do. Not just in the political realm, but in the spiritual realm. And I'll talk to you about that in a moment. I'll tell you the, the, the passages that have really ministered to me. When God said, I've lifted the cloud of mourning off of you. Psalm 30, verse 4 and 5. Sing praise to the Lord, you saints of his. Give thanks at the remembrance of his holy name. Listen to this. His anger is but for a moment. His favor is for life. Weeping may endure for a night. It's been a long night of over eight years. Weeping may endure for night, but joy comes in the morning. Hallelujah. Boy, I love this one. <laughs> oh, and Isaiah 6, and, and by, by verses 10 through 12, that's 30th Psalm. <laughs> I like this. I think we ought to do it. It says, Hear, O Lord, have mercy on, on me. Lord, be my helper. Look what it said. You have turned my mourning into what? You've turned my mourning. Did you feel like dancing about 145? said I couldn't even move at 145 I was like on that <laughs> boy I could you've turned my mourning into dancing you put off my sackcloth and clothed me with gladness to that end may my tongue sing praise to you and be not be silent O Lord God I will give thanks to you forever it's called turn my feet to dancing Turned my mourning into joy and gladness. Well, there's another good one. This is what God has done. This is what happened. This was a shift in the heavenlies. Among the body of Christ and among people who were not even necessarily believers, but who loved this country, God lifted the cloud of mourning off of us and God replaced it with joy and gladness and hope. Isaiah 61. Hey, by the way, do you, you know this verse? I seem like I've read this before somewhere. The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me because this is our name of our church, except it's in Luke 4 18, same verse. The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me because He has anointed me to preach good tidings to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to deliver the captives, to the opening of the prison to those who are bound, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord and the day of vengeance of our God. To all right, wait a minute. Look at the last part of that verse. To comfort all who mourn. Say that with me. To comfort all who mourn. We've been mourning. I'm telling you, when we thought of our nation, we just, it's just like somebody died. 
We were mourning. All right, look what it says. To console those who mourn in Zion. That's a picture of the church. To console those who mourn in Zion. Don't you love this? Right after our church verse. To give them beauty for ashes. Glory to God. To give them the all of joy for mourning. Hallelujah. To give them the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. Praise the Lord. That they may be called trees of righteousness. The planting of the Lord. That he may be glorified. It's a new day. He's given us the oil of joy for mourning. The garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. And it's, it's a glorious, glorious thing that God has done. So, it's a new day. So where do we go from here? I think that's the big question now. Where do we go from here? Well, I believe God is, God's word is clear. And I'm just going to give you the verse that God gave to me as to where we go from here. I said before God ever gave me this verse, I believe God's opened a door. Now we've got to go through it. I believe God's open, given us open a window. And we've got to go through it. And we've got to go through it get with God's will and God's way and with God's power. But Romans, Revelation 3, 7, and 8. You see, the seven churches in the book of Revelation... They were real churches in real cities, and uh, they all have exist, been segments of history. I believe there are two of these churches that are, run, that are running on simultaneous tracks right now. One is the church at Philadelphia, and the other is the church of Laodicea. One is the church with an open door. The other is a church where God's on the outside trying to get in. But the Holy Spirit spoke to me, and, and this is the verse I want to claim. And to the angel at the church of Philadelphia, right? These things say he, is, he, is he who is holy, he is true. Who has a key of David? Now listen to this. He opens, God opens, and no one shuts. He shuts, and no one opens. He said, I know your works. He does. So, see, I've set before you that this is it. This is what God's saying to us now. I've set before you an open door. We have an open door. If the election had gone the other way, the door would have been shut. I have set before you an open door. You want to hear an encouraging word? And no one, no, no, man, no one can shut it. Amen? He says when God opens a door, nobody can shut it. I've set an open door and no one can shut it. And this is true of us as believers. You have a little strength. It's not that we were great men and women of faith, you know, uh, speaking to mountains and they were being cast into sea. He said, you have a little strength. You have kept my word and have not denied my name. Glory to God. And so he said before us, an open door and no one can close it. Well, let me ask you this. What do you do when you go through that door? Of course, there are many things I could say that we do when we go through the door. But I want to tell you what we do when we go through the door. First of all, <laughs> we give God all the glory for opening the door. Now, if you don't, if you're not careful, you're going to miss a great, one of the greatest opportunities 
that you've ever had to give glory to God. Because people are st still talking about it. By the way, um, 60 million people more than have, have a new hope and a new vision. They're not all believers, but a lot are. But 60 million people are now mourning and crying and weeping. And by the way, they're angry. Did you notice that? They're angry. They're angry. But that doesn't change a thing. What we have to do is pray for them. We've got to pray for them. And pray that somehow God will open their eyes and that they will see. But the thing we've got to do when we go through the door is be sure that we give God all the glory. Because people say, well, you know, and these are people you just meet in the grocery store or wherever you are, you know, you can say, well, man, what do you think about the election? You, could, you can do that. And they say, well, man, I don't understand that. I don't remember. And, I, and I say, well, let me just tell you one thing. There's only one explanation for what happened. God did it. So you're giving God the glory. I don't let them get by by saying some kind of lame duck excuse or something. No. I said, no, you miss it. You miss it. It was humanly impossible. Humanly impossible. The odds were zero. The betting odds in, 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 in Las Vegas, you know, I check them all the time since I bet. The betting odds in Las Vegas <laughs> were th 270 that Clinton would win and 25 that Trump would win. They didn't get all that money by making the right odds. They really believed that. But God overcame all odds. Hallelujah. Now what you got to do is give God the glory. And I mean that. If you're sitting here thinking, no, it was some other explanation than God, you missed it. You missed it. You're on another planet, I'm telling you right now. This was an act of a holy God. And God has spoken. And we need to be very careful to say, yes, we prayed. Wasn't perfect praying. But I want you to know, God had mercy on us. And God acted, and God did overcame every plan and every strategy that man had, and God gave the victory, and all we can say is to God, be the glory. I love this passage in First Chronicles 29, verse 11 through 13. Yours, O Lord, is the greatness, the power and the glory, the victory and the majesty, for all that is in heaven and on earth is yours. Yours is the kingdom, O Lord. And you are exa the exalted, you're exalted head over all. Both riches and honor come from you. And you reign over all. In your hand is power and might. And it is your hand to make great and to give strength to all. Now therefore, our God, we thank you and praise your glorious name. To God. Be the glory. I love Psalm 126, verse 1 through 3. When the Lord brought back the captivity of Zion, we were like those who dream. <laughs> you know, when God did what he did, it's like, am I dreaming? Is this really happening? It says, then our mouth was filled with laughter, our tongue with singing. Then they said among, then they said among the nations, don't you think that Europe don't know what happened? and Japan, and North Korea. And I'm sure glad the people in Iran know what happened. It says, then they said among the nations, the Lord has done great things for them. Hallelujah. 
now what they see coming forth from this nation. And let me say this about the president-elect. <laughs> he is a flawed human being. <laughs> he is not the Apostle Paul. <laughs> he is not fully sanctified. Do you understand? But I'll tell you one thing. He's open to God. And many, many Christians have surrounded him and are praying for him. And his vice president is absolutely sold out to Jesus Christ. And he knew that. <laughs> and he knew that. He knew that when he, he was his choice. He said, that's the one I want. And so who does he put at the head of his transition team to put people in places of office that count? A godly man, that's what he does. So you see the hand of God. No reason God's lifted the morning off of us and given us joy. It says, the Lord has done, Psalm 126.3, the Lord has done great things for us and we are glad. So what do we do? We go through that door and make it absolutely clear. We take no credit for what happened. We give God all the glory and said, this is the only explanation is God. God just opened the Red Sea. And uh, shall I say it? Shall I say it? And Pharaoh and all the chariots and his army was covered up with the Red Sea. Oh, my Lord. I'll, get, I'll get in trouble for that. You weren't gracious. I am gracious. I'm just saying what happened when God opened the Red Sea. Pharaoh went in and he covered them up. That's all I know. <laughs> okay. So we're going to give God the glory every chance I get. I wish I'd want, I want to get an interview for, uh, from, from, from Christians around Mobile and say, what do you think about it? We tell you what we think about it. We have a great God. His name is Jehovah. We have a glorious Savior. His name is Jesus. And God is not finished. All right, now, here's the second thing we do. We've got to go through the door. Then we return to God with all our hearts and seek his face. You know, I had not seen this verse before. But it, 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 it tells us something. And Hosea, you know, I, I've, that's not the best known book in the Bible. But I saw this verse. It said, God come." And let us return to the Lord. He has torn, but he will heal us. He, he has stricken, but he will bind us up. And you go on. After two days, he will revive us. On the third day, he will raise us up, that we may live in his sight. Let us know, let us pursue. Man, come on. Let us know, let us pursue the knowledge of the Lord. His going forth is established in the morning. He will come to us like the rain, like the latter and former rain to the earth. Return to God with all our hearts. Now, the thing we need to understand that a major, major, major victory has been won by the living God and given to his people. And now he's set before us an open door. 
And we've got to go through it. So we've got to continue. Now, and, and if, you, if you flip, if you, if you pass over this now, you're going to miss what my heart is. We have to continue in desperate prayer for the new president-elect, for the House of Representatives, for the, for the Senate and the Supreme Court. I want to give you a verse, and, and, and we've really got to pray. It says in 1 Timothy 4, 2, 1 through 6, it says, for kings, why, why in the first verse up there? Did I not put it on there? It says, therefore, I exhort, first of all, that supplications, now this is God's word, so listen to it, supplications, prayers, intercessions, supplication, prayers, and intercessions, and giving of thanks be made for all men. Read on. For, ki- for kings. We don't have a king. We're a republic, and we elect our leaders, and we happen to call them president. Pray for all, for, for, for presidents, for all, or, all who are in authority, House, Senate, Supreme Court, that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and reverence. Said, pray for those in authority. Pray for them that we might live a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness, for this is good and acceptable in the sight of God, our Savior. I feel strongly led to say this, and I hadn't planned on saying it. Nobody has been willing to address in the last eight years what has happened in the inner cities of America. They've ignored it. The 3,240 murders in Chicago over a period of years. The riots in the city right outside of St. Louis where they burned the stores down and all that kind of stuff. You know, in that place outside of St. Louis, there are 60,000 people of the same race. And the school's awful. It's run down. They don't have jobs. They don't have hope. And you just take that city, you take the inner cities. Nobody's been willing to address it. The party that was supposed to be a champion of the poor and a champion of the needy has absolutely ignored them and used them. But I guarantee you that's not going to happen in the next four years. Instead of sending a billion and a half dollars to Iran, we need to put a billion and a half dollars to do something in the inner city of St. Louis and Chicago and those places like that. My God. Those people are out there in the wilderness. Those children are born into a situation where there's no hope and 90% of them don't have a father living in the house. And nobody seems to care about that. It's all about the elite political system that took care of themselves. But I want to tell you, under God, I believe we've got to do something about that. If we don't, this country will never turn around. And I pray and you pray that this new regime will absolutely address the problems of the inner city where there are thousands who are born into situations where they don't have any hope. You say it's their own fault. It's not the fault of a little baby that's born in a home that doesn't have a daddy and his mother's on crack. That's not his fault. So we got to pray. 
You know what? Baptists is trying to start churches where there's a needy place. Why don't we start some in the inner cities? Why do we go to the suburbs where everybody's got money and a nice car? My God, that's not where the need is. Oh, there's the need, but we need to go where people ain't got nothing and have no hope. You say it's dangerous. Well, I think God's bigger than that, don't you? You know, we've got to pray, y'all. We've got to pray that our, the people who lead us, and, we, and I'm doing what the Bible says, says pray for those in authority. We've got to pray they will have wisdom. We've got to pray that they'll have protection. We've got to pray that they'll have courage. We've got to pray that they'll have humility. We've got to pray that they have a servant's heart. We've got to pray that uh, they will stand strong on their convictions and not compromise. And, they will, and that those who are not saved will be saved. We have got to continue praying like we did these last few months. And I mean, if we don't, then God's going to... Let me tell you what usually happens after a great victory. Apathy. We won! No, we haven't. We just won a battle. The first city uh, Israel took when they went in the promised land was Jericho. It was a supernatural victory. Have you ever heard of the walls falling down when you marched around and blew a trumpet? I bet old Joshua said, man, I'm a great commander. Look, look at that thing. Blow the horn. And the walls fell down. But then they went to the next city and I guess they got cocky and somebody quit praying. It's called AI. And they went out to fight the enemy and they got just, the, the Israelites got slaughtered. And they found out because there was sin in the camp. And they just got wore out and beat. I'll tell you one thing. If we let up, if we quit praying desperately, if we quit seeking God's face, and you can do that. There's nothing that can keep you from praying and crying out to God every day. If we, if we keep doing that, we'll see victory after victory. We'll see city after city. But I am telling you, we have to return to God with all our hearts. We have to seek his face. And we've got to pray like we have never prayed before. Now, I hope you believe that, okay? I'm just praying that you believe it. Well, here's the third thing. We have to obey Jesus' command to be a witness. And the Lord has spoken to me, and I am certainly the one he needed to speak to, was that we need to have the same burden for unsaved people that we have for this country. It's one thing to live in a difficult country. It's another thing to die without Christ and go to hell. So all of us need at least five people that we put on the leaf of our Bible. One, two, three, four, five. I'm going to pray for them every day. They're lost. Don't put on their backslidden Christian. Put people that you know who if they died today, they would go to hell. Put their names on those five. Put it inside your Bible. Start praying for them every day. Start looking for ways that you can show them that you love them. Start reaching out to them. Don't just go running in there and give them a track and preach the gospel. You've got to plow up the ground so that the seed will fall on good ground. Do you understand? And we've got to share Jesus with people. Because there are 60 million people that voted for the other party. And I want to tell you right now, I mean, you know, if you vote that way, something's wrong with you spiritually. I'm not saying they're not saved. But when you pro-abortion and all that stuff, it raises a red flag. But listen, God has called us. We're, we're not, 
Our agenda, our main agenda as the church of Jesus Christ is not political, it is spiritual. And the commission was go into all the world and tell everybody about Jesus Christ. It's exactly what the Bible says. But you say, Brother Fred, I'm timid. Well, then ask God to make you courageous. Ask God to give you boldness. You shall receive power after the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you shall be witnesses unto me in Jerusalem, Judea, and the uttermost part of the earth. Look at Acts 5.42. I love this. And daily and in the temple and every, every house, they did not cease teaching and preaching Jesus is the Christ. Look at that. Daily in the temple and every house, they did not cease teaching and preaching that Jesus is the Christ. We've got to share the gospel with people. I mean, I, I hope you invite people to come to Luke 418. I hope you do. I believe if you'll invite them and you're consistent, they'll come. If, I, if they come, I believe God will speak to them. But let me tell you something. It's not enough to invite people to church. We've got to tell them about Jesus. What is the gospel? We've got to give them the gospel, okay? Here it is. In, in 1 Corinthians 15, 1 through 4, it says, uh, it says this. I skipped some. Uh, but I want to read this anyway. Moreover, brethren, I declare to you, the gospel which I preached to you, which you also received and which you stand, by which you are saved, if you hold fast the word that I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. And now look what he preached. For I delivered to you, first of all, that which I received, that Christ died for our sins, according to the scripture. That's the gospel. That he was buried. And he rose again the third day, according to the scriptures. That is the gospel. Christ died for your sins, and God raised him from the dead. And the message of the gospel is repentance toward God and faith in Jesus Christ. Man, we've got to preach the gospel. I mean, it's not about religion. It's not about religion. Not at all. In Philippians 2.15, it says of us that we're to be blameless and harmless the children of God. Let me tell you something. Your actions speak louder than your words. If you are not kind to people, gracious to people, loving to people, if you don't treat them with respect, they're not going to listen to you. Why should they listen to you? The only Jesus some people are going to see and know is the Jesus that lives in you. That's the only one they're going to see and know. They're not going to church. And so, man, we, we, we've got to be blameless and harmless, the children of God, among whom, among whom you shine as lights in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation, among whom you shine as lights in the world. Please hear me. We cannot, we cannot be silent. Here's the last thing. I am running out. That's good. I am getting through early. All right, I've, I've given you four things that we're going to do when we go through the door. We're going to give God the glory. Return to God with all our heart. Seek his face. We're going to pray, pray, pray. We're going to be witnesses. We're going to be the light of the world. We're going to be the salt of the earth. We're going to tell people the gospel. It's not about church. It's not about religion. Christianity is not a religion. It's a relationship between a man and Jesus and the Father. Christianity is a relationship between God the Father through the shed blood of Jesus Christ, whereby you come into, you're reconciled to God through the death of his son, and you receive the righteousness of Jesus. The gospel is simple, but it is powerful. And it is profound. 
And when the gospel is given, God uses it and lives are changed. But here's the last thing. We've got to boldly proclaim the truth of God's world, of God's word in a world full of lies. We must boldly proclaim the truth in this book in a world full of lies. We have been, to some great degree, and I'm including myself in it, we've been the silent minority. Oh, we're in the minority, but we've been silent. That needs to change. We need to be the vocal minority. Anytime somebody writes an editorial to the paper, and I hope you don't read those editorials because they're slanted. They're slanted. Oh, my goodness. You know what? They, they must think that we're children, the way they write and put stuff in there. They tried to t- try, t- tie the president-elect to the Ku Klux Klan because there were some leaflets in a neighborhood in Birmingham. He didn't, he didn't put out those leaflets. Man, they think we're crazy. Let me just say one thing. When they speak a lie, we need to speak the truth. We need to speak the truth before they speak a lie. We do. So we can't be the silent minority. We've got to be the vocal minority. If there's an all-out push to, 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 to exalt something that is wicked and evil and ungodly, that's when the body of Christ has to stand up and say, that is not true, that is a lie, that is contrary to everything God stands for. Do, do you understand that? You say, well, how do you do that? Well, We'll just buy a full-page ad in the newspaper and say, this is the truth. They have to sell it to us. They can't discriminate. You know, we've been quiet too long, y'all. I'm telling you, we've been silent too long. You say, I haven't. Well, praise God. Keep it up. But mostly the church religion that I know in, in America has been quiet. Quiet, 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 quiet. We've got to be politically correct. The early church was not politically correct, and they all died as martyrs. They all died as martyrs. Not a one of them lived. They cut Paul's head off. You say, wow, I don't know if I want to volunteer for that. We must boldly proclaim the truth in a world full of lies. We have a mandate from God to speak the truth. And if we don't, we will answer to God for it. So, God has given us an open door. Hallelujah. And we can go through it giving God all the glory for what he has done. We can return to God with all our hearts and pray and seek God's face. We can share with others the good news that Jesus died for them and rose for them and lives to forgive them and lives to live in them. We can share the gospel and then we can boldly proclaim the truth in a world full of lies. We can go through the door that God has opened. And I want to say this. You know what has given me a a sense of joy? And, and praise that I really believe now that maybe our children and grandchildren have a future. I believe that. I really do. I'm telling you, I believe they have a, a future where they will have the freedom to worship God and, and to be free to speak the gospel. I, I, I believe that, that we have a future for them now. Because I am telling you, man, we, we have kicked the powers of darkness, they're not, they're, they're not giving up and they're not 
and I'm not referring to any part or anything. I'm talking about the devil, the rulers of the darkness of this world. But I'm telling you, the battle will intensify. And the more it intensifies, the more we will pray and the stronger we will be. Because God has said, you have prayed, I have answered, I have set before you an open door. And no man can close it. Now go through it and finish winning the victory that I have given you. And all God's people said, Hallelujah. Well, I just feel like shouting. (laughs) Now, I really feel like dancing. I have danced before. You knew that, didn't you? Oh, yeah. One night at the pulpit at Cottage Hill, I got so overwhelmed. uh, Everybody said it wasn't a dance, that I was just going around in circles. But I I really don't know. (laughs) But let me just say one thing. Man, I'm happy. I mean, come on. Praise God, it's a new day. The sun came up this morning. And it's the S-O-N, sun. The S-O-N, the sun came up this morning. The S-O-N, the sun came up this morning. And God is still on the throne. And Jesus is on the throne. And he says to us now, go forth with a victory in this battle. The Philistines have been beaten, but you've still got to get the ark back and get it in place and do everything that I tell you to do. And we say as the people of God, we we receive the victory that you have given us. And now by your grace, we will live and we will pray and we will preach and we will work till Jesus comes. And we will not get apathetic and indifferent. No, we will realize as though it's the last day of our life. To God be the glory.